Good morning. <laughs> Extra credit. <laughs> Put plus two on your test. Plus two EC, I don't know what that means. Animals of the Bible, part four. This is my 18th Sunday school class that I've taught here at Berean. That's pretty cool. I want to just mention this in case you don't know. There's some new faces. My name is Dan Clark. I have a degree from Purdue in chemistry and a master's from Bob Jones University. I taught high school chemistry for 39 years. So I'm not turned to uh, Third Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and let's go through it. I'm not that kind of teacher. I try to emphasize science. I try to emphasize the creation. But I ran across this verse, which you have seen if you've been in my class. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. The New Living Testament says, encouraging the believers. Now, there was a, an event that happened a couple weeks ago in our church, and it had to do with a moth. How many of you were here for that? Does somebody remember? Because I was kind of in and out, and Lori's going to give you, my beautiful assistant's going to give you the microphone, and you could just explain it in 30 to 60 seconds. Would somebody be willing to do that for me? Okay, right over here. Heather, it is on. So just give them some idea of what happened. Okay, so I missed that. I had heard it was back in the back, and it flown up. It was right here. Okay, all right. So I have to admit, then, then in the evening service, they talked about it, and several people made jokes about it, <laughs> right? So I have to tell you, I was a little bit disappointed. I call this Mothgate. Therefore, if any moth is in church, he is a new creature. (laughs) Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. (laughs) When you need discipline, when you need correction, I think there are those of us that need to tell you that. And so... That's 2 Chrysalis 5.17. Mothgate. If there come unto your assembly a butterfly in goodly apparel, and there come in also a moth in vile raiment, and you have respect to the butterfly and say unto him, Flit thou here in a good place. And you say to the moth, Cower there under the pulpit. (laughs) Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Matthew 6.19 says this, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither butterfly nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through and steal. (laughs) My brethren, these things ought not to be. 
So in the future, if that happens, please re remember these passages from the Sermon on the Mouth. <laughs> this may be my last class that I teach. <laughs> Pastor just winced. <laughs> Job 12.7 says this, Ask the animals and they will teach you or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. More about that a little bit later. When I look at the creation, I am just in wonder of it. I'm using Mary Fairchild's ultimate list of, the, of animals mentioned in the Bible. And then we always got to throw in stuff like this. Tried to catch fog yesterday. I like the little dog here on the right. Please, no. Missed. <laughs> now, I want to see who's gonna, who could predict the first animal, of, first of three that I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to show you some slides, and we have a prize for you. We do. Now, is that the all-expense-paid trip to Otterburn to park in the middle of the road, go into the night owl, where Maude and the buddies are going to look at you and go, yeah, they're not from around here. And after you have that meal, you'll hop in the car and you'll come back to civilization. As you're coming back, you will pass Derek and Candy's plantation. <laughs> after that meal, okay, so here's the first slide. I was, we run through this, believe it or not, we run through this and Laurie goes, oh, you're going to talk about bats. <laughs> The only rule is this. You can only make shout out one guess per slide. Anybody have any idea what I'm going to talk about first? All right, let's continue. There is a prize for the person that first says this. So, okay, no, not yet. What's a unit? I know. In school, we play this, guess what the teacher is thinking all the time. What is it, Derek? Ghost. Ghost. He's the guy. No. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, next slide. <laughs> I personally don't appreciate or like Tom Brady, but most of you would probably agree. Super Bowl rings, you know, that says a lot, doesn't it? Do you know who this is? Pele. The, probably the most outstanding soccer. A lot of these things are people's opinion, right? I did see him in person in Chicago. I did see him in person. I also saw this gentleman in person. We're, we're at the PGA down in Indianapolis. He came to the tee. Everybody's, wow-hoo-ee. He hit a ball. Everybody's cheering and clapping, and he goes out. Three or four minutes later, he comes back because he hit it out of bounds. That's my experience with him. I did not see him play in person. Any of you seen him play in person? You did? Down at the Indiana Pacers? Pacers? Okay. I don't want to have a discussion with you. You think... LeBron is better than him. This, you think any of these guys are better than him? 
more 30-point-per-game, 50% field goal seasons than all these guys combined. So, these would most people would be in consensus about that. If you said who's the greatest president ever, it's a people's opinion, right? Some would say Donald Trump. I no, I don't think so. So, the greatest of all time, goats. I did put this into my Google search. The greatest sandwich of all time. Eh? A lobster roll? <laughs> a lobster roll? Uh, really? I went to a, another one, greatest sandwich of all time, grilled cheese sandwich. Okay? The greatest country of all time? I put that in. Can you imagine what came up? Italy? Italy came up? You go, okay. I, no, not, not in my opinion, not in my opinion. Greatest of all time, greatest of all time. So, how many times do you think goats are mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible? Here are your choices. And that's one of the things I try to do in, in my chemistry class, get people involved. So vote, vote in your mind. Well, 125 times, 57, 321, 14, 98, hike. Which one of those would it be? Not 57. Not 321. Not 98. 125 times. Goats. That's quite a surprise to me, too. One of the first mentions was the covenant with Abram, the smoking oven and the burning torch. Genesis 15, 9. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Here's the Hebrew, the transliteration, and the word that we would use in English. There's the goat, the ram, the turtle dove. And this is just an artist's representation of how Abram might have performed this sacrifice. Yes, the Old Testament is bloody, right? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Uh, Lori has mentioned to me sometimes, sometimes you just jump on this thing and it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. This has a little to do with what I'm talking about. Okay, we have no sound. Uh, why is that, Drew? Okay, I think I see the. I think I see the problem. All right, let's try that again. I may have to go back. I saw a microbiologist today. He was much bigger than I expected. <laughs> I know, that was bad. One of the next mentions of a goat, Joseph sold by his brothers. You say, what? 
Genesis 37, 31. So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Goats actually can be good in the sometimes when it's mentioned and sometimes bad. How about the vision of a ram and a goat? Daniel 8, 5. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came up from the west across the surface of the whole earth. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. This time, Greece is a goat and Alexander the Great, the notable horn, who with great speed and fury conquered Medo-Persia in less than 10 years. Quite amazing. Alexander the Great came from the, the west through this empire and conquered the whole thing. So there is the goat with a notable horn and there's a picture of Alexander the Great. Now I might say this, you might be upset if you lost your nose too. He's so an idiot. Pink Panther? Have you seen the movies? <laughs> Spectre Dreyfus? Don't just stand there, idiot. Call a doctor and then help me find my doze. I love those movies. Can we be 100% certain that this verse refers to Alexander the Great? Prophecy sometimes can be interpreted one way or the other, right? I would say definitely. Because Daniel 8.21 says, And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn is, is, uh, that is between its eyes is the first king. Isaiah 11.6 See, we don't go out and march for peace. We know that peace is coming someday. We want that peace that comes from God. The wolf also shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. An artist's representation. That is foreign to us today, isn't it? Matthew twenty-five thirty-three. Another mention of the goat. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Not a pretty picture when you realize some of your neighbors, some of your friends, some of your relatives at this point are not sheep. So what is a goat? Any ruminant and hollowed horned mammal, it regurgitates, it spits up its food and chews it again like a cow, belonging to the genus Capra, related to the sheep, lighter of build, horns that arch backward. Lori love this. Do any of you have goats? You 
<laughs> Get the clothes. I thought so. I thought you guys did. The next animal I'd like to talk about are the bears. The bears. The bears. So how many times do you think the bears are mentioned in the Bible? Not talking about the Chicago bears. What do you think? 25, 73, 90, 114, 198. All right. So it's not 90. It's not 198. In the Bible. So, we're at Yellowstone. When I went to Yellowstone, I wanted to see the geysers, the hot spots, the pots, all that kind of stuff. The boiling pots. They told us, if you go on this trail, you will see a bear. I have no idea why we went on that trail. (laughs) What am I going to do if I see a bear? I could outrun Laurie, maybe. So we spent a couple hours down the trail and a couple hours back. The only animal we saw was this. So I took a picture of it. And it was tasty. So we learned when you're in Yellowstone and you see cars at the side of the road, pull over. They're looking at something. So we pulled over, a bunch of cars there, pulled over, and there were two bears out in this little meadow playing with each other and rooting around. One was a black bear, one was a grizzly bear. We're we're not real clear. We think 50 yards. You're not supposed to get within 50 yards of animals. If they notice you, you're too close. Somebody says, well, you could have just taken a picture off of the Internet to get this stuff. There's a really good picture. They don't stand up and pause for you. They do not. So I thought I would include a video to convince you. It's been a few years ago. she is. Somebody goes, that looks pretty dangerous. There was kind of water between us. Our cars were parked right behind us. We figured three or four seconds to get in the car. So here's a black bear. There's a grizzly bear. So again, we're driving along. We see a bunch of people on a bridge. We pulled over. They're looking down at a bear in the middle of the river fishing 
We stood there for five or six minutes. It's just amazing, incredible. We were safe. After another four or five minutes, I said, that bear isn't moving. No one had um, binoculars or a telescope. After ten minutes there, we decided it was just a big rock. (laughs) (laughs) First Samuel 17, 36 and 37. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. Who is this? Correct. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of these, since he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, the paw of the bear, we're going to pause for a second. Thank you. I'm going to pause for a second. You're kidding me. <laughs> you're, you're kidding me. You're going to mess around with a bear? <laughs> he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And a passage that I've had trouble with, one of the great things about teaching these lessons, I have to do some study. I'm a chemist. I'm not a biologist. So I did some study on this. This is a passage that bothered me. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Who is, who is the he there? No answers? Elisha. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. You know, if we did that in our schools, we might have better discipline. <laughs> well... Dr. Elizabeth Mitchell helped explain it to me from Answers in Genesis. She said, God's prophet was being attacked by a group of young hoodlums challenging the credibility of God's prophet, the only one bringing God's truth to a corrupt nation that had turned their back on God. That explains it for me. Again, we're looking for peace one day where the cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. We believe before the curse, at least I do, that everybody ate herbs, plants, no death before the fall. All right, so this is how me and some of my animals greet each other. Hi. Hey, Hoss, how's it going? You doing good? Hey, Jimmy, my man. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah, you get it, buddy. Oh, buddy, what are you doing? Oh, big stretch. Big stretch. So this is definitely Photoshopped. You can tell the lighting is not not that uh, consistent throughout the picture. This just... Does all the work, and he just has to walk in the door. This is Jimmy, a 21-year-old Kodiak bear rescued from a closing wildlife park. He's just one of the 11 bears that lives with them. They knock you around a little bit and stuff. Nothing, you know, not maliciously, you know, but you got to watch. You don't get scratched or poked in the eye or something. Hey. No better than that. What are you doing? It's all right. They kill you. You know, 
He just have to hit you one time. Kodiak bears are one of the largest species in the world. He's about 1,400 pounds, and if he stood up on his hind legs, he could probably be about nine feet tall. I think the strongest person you know, or whatever, and you can magnify that by a thousand times. Yeah, he's big. I mean, a, a small bear will kick your butt, and he's got so much... Not me. No. no. Revelation 13.2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. I don't think you're going to see this animal at the San Diego Zoo. How many times are scorpions mentioned in the Bible? What do you think? Five, seven, nine, eleven, or eighteen? How many have got them all, both of them correct so far? Okay. All right. Let's see. Not that. Not fifty. Not eleven. My vote is on nine times. Scorpion. How many have seen a scorpion? How many have been stung by a scorpion? 1 Kings 12, 11, and 12, 14, King Rehoboam. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Scorpions, scorpions, scorpions. The name alone causes most people, including myself, to cringe. Armed up front with lobster-looking pinchers called pedipalps, and from the back, a quick striking tail tipped with a venom-injecting stinger. These arachnids definitely command respect. Now this in no way will cause any harm to the animal. The only person who's going to pay for this little experience is me. Some of you probably think this is ridiculous. Some will think it's crazy. And those of you that know about scorpions will say, it's no big deal, it's just a giant desert hairy. It will be like a bee sting. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Not all scorpions are as dangerous as advertised. Ready? Yep. Go ahead. I'm Caddy Peterson, and I'm entering the strike zone. One, two, three. Ah! Jeez, yeah, he got me. I don't want that bad. Well, that was it. Huh? Close your hands. Like, huh? Yeah. So he did have an EpiPen with him, and that's about a 10 minute video I cut out the most important part. Revelation 9 3. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. I don't know. Is this symbolic? Is it going to be some biological weapon? Some variation on a scorpion and a wasp? I don't know. And then Revelation 9.5, And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like that, like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Swarms of drones? I don't know. We actually have a drone in the back of our vehicle. 
Scorpion, at the top of the British military wish list, drone swarms for combat and surveillance ops, controlled by one person. Could Revelation be foretelling what's going to happen? Oh, absolutely. And so on. Power to hurt men for five months. Now, Job 12.7, I used that earlier. Ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Here's the modern Hebrew of that verse. I don't know Hebrew. But Young's literal translation was a translation published in 1862. And he translated it this way. They will show thee. They will declare to thee. I want to declare to you what I've discovered about a chemical process that happens in every cell of every animal on the earth and has ever lived. I asked my former uh, student, who's now a PhD in microbiology, really cool, cool kid, first kid to go to college, first one in his family to go to college, and obviously the first one to get a PhD. Brilliant. Every reaction in every cell of every animal on the planet that requires energy gets that energy from the ATP ADP chemical reaction. I ask him, is that true? He says, as far as I know, 100% accurate. You need energy in your body. The contraction of a muscle cell, you need energy. The synthesis of molecules to make protons, (laughs) proteins, enzymes, and so on in your body electric impulse of a nerve cell, you need ATP. I know what you're saying. What is ATP? I'm glad you asked. We use an equal amount of ATP as your, as your own body weight each day. So let's take a 200-pound man, and I converted this to grams. You're going to have to learn factor label. When you have problems with it, come and check with me. So, this 200-pound man that has about 91,000 grams of ATP used every day, but we only have 50 grams of ATP in our body. What? How does that work? ATP is recycled 1,300 times each day. God is the ultimate recycler. You know, when I see a garbage truck come down, pick up this, and then another garbage come down and pick up recyclables, I'm going, how much energy are they using? Two garbage trucks, two sets of men? Uh, well, anyway. Well, ATP is, is adenosine triphosphate. You go, okay, you've already lost me. I understand. But ATP reacts with water to form ADP plus a phosphate group plus energy. Okay, so I I won't use, I'll say the word adenosine triphosphate 
probably later, but I'll try to use ATP and ADP. All right, I need a volunteer. Someone who's willing to put on the safety goggles and they're all looking around at each other and no one's going to volunteer. You want to? Okay. Have you had any labs? Okay, and you put on the safety specs? You put on the goggles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Here's what you're going to do. I've got some magnesium here. I got it at Walmart in the element aisle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to fire up. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to fire this up. You're going to put that in the flame and get it lit. All right? Just, yeah, no. Wait, wait till it's gone, and then you're going to put it in there. Do not look directly at the flame. I had students... Or, or you could go blind. I had students, I'll just look till I need glasses. <laughs> All right. So uh, divert your attention to the side a little bit. Go ahead. The blue, is, the blue part is the hottest part. And then hold this over that so it doesn't fall on our new carpeting. <laughs> So this is a simple chemical reaction. Magnesium plus the oxygen. Okay. You're going to have to look at me again. We're going to try this one more time. You can drop it. Let's do it again. If you remember, I tried this maybe six months ago. and I couldn't get it to go because I was trying to light it with a match or a lighter. I forgot. I always had a Bunsen burner in front of me, right? And I could just, thank you. Thank you very much. I need the goggles back. <laughs> Simple chemical reaction. Let me show you that. I'll bet, I'll bet the first time in history a church auditorium had a Bunsen, had a burner going like that. So this is the combustion of magnesium. Chemists like to write equations that represent the chemical reaction that goes on. Magnesium plus O2 form magnesium oxide plus energy. I had to supply it with energy, but then it result it gave more energy off. Right? You probably have a gas furnace at home. You have to light it, you have to get it going, but once you light it, it gives off more energy. Simple chemical reaction. As a chemist, I don't like to see an equation that's not balanced. God balances equations, or reactions. We balance equations. So energy is required. This is what we think happens. The little two, the two blue spheres are O2, and the two little metallic things are magnesium atoms. So this is what we think happens. That collide, and they separate for magnesium oxide. Got it? Simple chemical reaction. ATP can form ADP, and the reverse reaction can happen. ADP, if you add a phosphate to it, can form 
ATP and water. It's not exactly an equilibrium, but it is a reversible reaction. So the ATP that your body uses to form ADP regenerates to form ATP so it can be used again, so that you can do this, so that you can think, so that your body can build. So here is adenosine triphosphate. You go, okay, you've now lost me. Phosphate, phosphate, phosphate. Thus, triphosphate. Okay? Here it is in a space-filling molecule. This is what we th probably th think that it looks like. All right? ATP goes to ADP and gives off energy. ADP can pick up a phosphate and form ATP. ATP breaks down to form ADP, and so on, and so forth. Are you with me? You go, okay, went right over my head. By the way, I'm doing this as kind of a test to see if you're interested in me talking about molecular machines. Some people are going to go, no, let's talk about the cute animals. We don't care about any of that chemistry stuff. Darwin believed that the cell was an uncomplicated, simple blob of protoplasm with some sort of nucleus. Okay? That's what he believed. Guess what? He is wrong. Here is a generic version of a cell. Do you recognize any of the parts of the cell? Of course, it's all labeled, so that's pretty straightforward. I want to talk about the mitochondria. That's plural for mitochondrion. When I was in biology, last millennium, <laughs> and that would have been, uh, let's see, I am 62, I am 62 minus 12, 60 years ago, we were taught the mitochondrion, the mitochondria, are power plants, and they didn't talk about it after that. Here's the most detailed model of a human cell. X-ray, NMR, and microscopy was used. Here is the simple cell of which you have 30 trillion of, uh, trillion of them in your body. Do you recognize anything in that cell? Do you recognize the mitochondria? Right there. We could talk about all the other stuff, microtubules, the nucleus, the nucleoli, the Golgi apparatus. We're not going to talk about that kind of stuff because I don't know anything about it. If you guess that the ATP-ADP chemical reaction is simple, just like this reaction I showed you here, and I showed you the chemical equation, if you thought it was simple, you'd be wrong. Let me show you an animation, if I still have it, there it is, of ATP synthase. This makes ATP from ADP and phosphate.
We're going inside a cell. There it is, the mitochondrium. It's been called one of the wonders of the molecular world, an amazing nanoscale machine. ATP synthase is a high-tech micromolecular power generator inside the cells of your body. It generates adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, an energy molecule that provides fuel that every one of your cells needs to function. Without this fuel, your cells will cease operation, and so will you. ATP synthase works like a rotary engine. The barrel-shaped rotator is composed of 10 to 15 protein parts called subunits. The rotator spins around, transmitting mechanical energy into the drive shaft of the machine, which helps make ATP. This drive shaft has a specially placed bump that opens and closes parts as the drive shaft spins around. This bump opens special protein subunits on the bottom of the machine. When the bottom subunits open, a spent energy molecule called adenosine diphosphate, or ADP, enters the machine. The mechanical motion causes the ADP to bind with an additional phosphate group, creating the ATP energy molecule. And the ATP drifts off into the cell, ready to power some biomechanical reaction. The ATP synthase machine has many parts we recognize from human-designed technology. A rotor, a stator, a drive shaft, and other basic components of a rotary engine. The ATP synthase is one of thousands of elegantly designed molecular machines inside your cells that make your life and all known life possible. ATP synthase. An example of intelligent design. So that's how ATP is made from ADP when you add a phosphate group. Simple chemical reaction? <laughs> I showed you a real simple chemical reaction and the equation. That thing, incredible. Every cell of every animal, there are a couple of notable exceptions, our goat is getting away from us, has the same ADP-ATP mechanism. Cells contain from 1,000 to 2,500 mitochondria. Do the math. <laughs> incredible. Why some are 1,000 and some are 2,500? Muscles need more energy than brain thoughts. For most of us. <laughs> Each cell in your body makes 
68 million ATPs per second. So there's one consistent food chain. You are in that food chain. You are. One universal mechanism to provide energy that is necessary for life. One of thousands of nano, micro machines. Reminds me of Isaiah 55.8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from his workmanship so that men are without excuse. What a fantastic creator. Pastor? Pastor? 